Well, welcome back, everybody. Blast of the past. Um, so we've been reviewing Volume One, 1973, uh, print edition, Men and Magic of the three-part volume of the original release of Dungeons and Dragons. This is pre-basic, pre-AD&D, first, second, everything. Uh, this was right after Chainmail, um, and this was the set that kind of established my relationship with the game. Um, it's gonna be kind of a fun um, uh, uh, review. So what I've been doing is an, uh, an audio read of the actual book itself. Um, we originally started off with the forward, the scope, equipment, preparation for the campaign. We went over the character descriptions from within the book, talked about their perception of character alignment, determining abilities, explaining their concept of abilities. Um, then we talked about languages, uh, non-player characters, then equipment and encumbrance. Um, so today we're going to talk about the classes themselves. Um, you know, uh, whether you're playing a barbarian uh, or what, what they call a fighting men, magic users, and clerics. So we're going to talk about how they've broken this all down. Um, and how they one of the reasons why we're going down this journey is because i think it's an interesting look at how they organize what i feel like is maybe one of the most um original um uh what could be basically the origin of the role-playing game you know the the rpg slash ttrpg um obviously back in the 60s 70s um a lot of people were playing avalon hill tabletop military games that actually could probably go back further. But after the success of Chainmail and then the 1973 Gygax and Arneson release of the three volume set of playing this thing they call Dungeons and Dragons, we started a whole new era of role-playing games. So, um, by the way, if you can afford to buy me a coffee, please do. I could always use the help. Um, otherwise, I am a professional pay-to-play DM. Uh, I am called Storyteller. Can find me over at TTRPG Academy. Feel free to hit up the um, socials on uh, on our podcast page. Other than that, let's go ahead and get started. So, page sixteen, um, page sixteen of page thirty-six. Uh, so, uh, levels and numbers of experience points necessary to attain them. So, what's interesting about this print? they don't actually include level numbers in their tables and charts um they just don't include it uh so it's interesting so on page 16 they describe um uh the barbarian um which is one of the fighting men and they have a table called fighting men and it looks to be only nine levels um, level one is veteran, level two is warrior, then you have swordsman, hero, swashbuckler, myrmidon, champion, superhero, and lord. Um, the differences between level one and nine is 240,000 XP. Uh, then they have magic users, uh, and they have them listed accordingly. Uh, medium, seer, conjurer, thurgist, thaumaturgist, Magician, Enchanter, uh, Warlock, which is the highest level for Elf. Uh, they have Sorcerer, Necromancer, and Wizard. Um, I find it interesting that in 1973, 
they had warlock, sorcerer, um, and wizard in 1973, which warlock and sorcerer now are real popular 5e choices. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, oh, by the way, back in the fighting men chart, the uh, a dwarf could only attain level four hero of 8,000 XP. Uh, then clerics. Clerics are acolyte, adept, village priest, vicar, curate, bishop, um, lama, and patriarch. Uh, a lot of these terminologies. Now, going back to magic user, the difference between level one and level 11 is 300,000 XP. Um, so clearly magic users are powerful uh, and the XP is more demanding. Clerics, the difference between uh, level one and Patriarch is 100,000 XP, but Patriarch is only level eight. So their leveling system is pretty interesting. Um, it's not, um, yeah. Uh, so what's really interesting is they then have a statistics regarding classes. Um, so they have the, the fighting men, dice accumulative hits, um, and then fighting capability, spells plus level. So for the fighting men, in this other chart, they have Lord 10th level, where Lord starts at 9th level. So they're obviously saying that a Lord can keep going, but the highest a fighting man can ever get is that 10th level Lord. Uh, dice for accumulative hits, the highest level, 10 plus 1. At the lowest level, 1 plus 1. And we'll talk about that later. Magic users, um, uh, dice for accumulative hits. Uh, now, they go as high as level 11 wizard with 8 plus 1, 8 plus 2 cumulative all the way up to wizard level 16. Um, so clearly, th their charting is, you know, and then obviously they have their spells and level chart. So they have a, you know, the first foray into their class, their class attainment levels and what you need is very much chart driven. So they don't really even start with a description of these other than if you were to go back to the page, if we were to actually take you all the way back to page six, where they start talking about characters on pages six, seven, and eight, and then alignment on page nine. Page 16, 17, and the top of 18 are just charts related to the three classes, and they're limited to three classes. Uh, fighting men, magic users, and clerics. Now, uh, I, I, the superhero term is baffling to me, but it's in there. Um, so, on page 18, they start talking about the related experience points. Uh, experience points are, uh, uh, so here's what it reads. Experience points are awarded to players by the referee with appropriate bonuses or penalties for prime requisite scores. As characters meet monsters in Mortal Kombat and defeat them, and when they obtain various forms of treasure, money, gems, jewelry, magic items, etc., they gain experience. This adds to their experience point total, gradually moving them upwards through the levels. Gains in experience points will be relative. Thus, an 8th level magic user operating on the 5th dungeon level would be awarded 5 eighths the experience. So they have a formula at the dungeon level to the level of the character. So they were using a formulaic approach. 
uh, which we don't do anymore. Uh, let us assume he gained 7,000 gold pieces by defeating a troll, which is a 7th level monster. Had the monster been only 5th level 1, experience would be awarded on a 5 8th basis, as already stated. But as the monster guarding the treasure was a 7th level experience, uh, or 7th level 1, experience would be awarded on a 7th 8th basis. Thus, 7,000 gold plus 700 for killing the troll is 7,700 divided by 8 equal to um, 96.2 times 7, which is equal to 6,037.5 experience points, are never awarded above a one-for-one -one basis. So even if a character defeats a higher-level monster, he will not receive experience points above the total of treasure combined with the monster's kill value then what's the point of the risk? So a lot of what I would call future versions that are going to be needed to, to, to help elaborate on this. <laughs> um, it is also recommended... Um, uh, it is also recommended that no more experience points be awarded for any single adventure than will suffice to move a character upwards one level. Therefore... They were defining a lot of XP limitations. Thus, a veteran, first level, gains what would ordinarily be 5,000 experience points. At this, would move him up towards two levels. The referee should award only sufficient points to bring him to warrior, second level, say 3,999, if the character began with zero experience points. So, I already see a lot of struggles with this calculation. So, obviously... They are making it controlled by the referee. They're making it hard to level. And the expectation is even if a player does really, really well, they can't exceed a minimum establishment anyway. So I'm not really sure where the challenge is. Where the But here they have a little levels annotation on page 18. There's no theoretical limit to how high a character may progress, i.e., 20th level lord, 20th level wizard, etc. Distinct names have only been included for the base levels, but these do not influence progression. Uh, so the base names are their level beginners, but once they max out the level at the base name, at the max base name, uh, they're saying that you're, you're essentially that base name and you can continue to level up to 20. But they don't state that in the charts. The charts are pretty much... Um, uh, uh, integrated with, um, you know, the base names and annotation of levels. So that's basically the characters um, and their classes. That's it. Uh, page uh, 16, 17, and the top of 18 talk about the three classes, leveling, their charts, their spells, their pure charts. Um, and then page 18 talks about experience points uh, related to those uh, charts. Um, then they talk about dice for accumulative hits, uh, fighting capability, spells and levels, levels above those listed, and then they launch into an alternative combat system. So, I'm going to finish 18 and top of 19, and I'm going to read the dice for accumulative hits. This indicates the number of dice which are rolled in order to determine how many hit points a character can take. Pluses are merely the number of pips to add to the total of all dice um, rolled, not to each dice. 
Um, that's interesting. I had forgotten about that. Thus, a superhero gets eight dice plus two. They are rolled and a score of one, two, two, three, three, four, five, and six totals. 26 plus 2 equals 28, being the number of points of damage the character could sustain before death. Whether sustaining the cumulative hits will otherwise affect the character is left to the discretion of the referee. Now, that's interesting. Um, now I'm wondering if... <sighs> that's really interesting. So, if you're... It is... Okay, it's, it's aggregate. It is it has to be aggregate because of the way they do the charting. So, if you are a, a level one acolyte, you get see they don't. That's interesting. That's not very well charted. So, let's talk about fighting men. If you're a level one veteran, you get a um, D8 plus one. So if you roll a seven, you start off with eight hit points. Uh, once you make it to warrior, you can then add 2d8 with no bonuses to whatever you rolled previously. So it is aggregate. So in theory, you know, you're you're still accumulating a huge hit point pool. They don't do a very good job of explaining that at all. Um, th I think um, I think they try, but it, 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 there's a lot of things missing here. It can get kind of confusing. Then they go on at the bottom of page 18 to talk about fighting capability. This is a key to use in conjunction with the chainmail fantasy rules, as modified in various places herein. An alternative system will be given later for those who prefer a different method. Interesting. So they want you to refer to chainmail for fighting capabilities. Then they talk about at the top of page 19 spells and levels. Uh, the number above each column is spell level. Complexity is somewhat subjective determination on the part of your authors. The number in each column opposite each applicable character indicates the number of spells each level that can be used. Remembered during single, uh, remembered during single, any adventure. Um, that is worded horribly, but that's the way it is. But by that character, uh, spells are listed and explained later. Uh, levels above those listed. Progressions of dice for accumulative hits, fighting capability, and spells like may not be evident. An 11th level lord would get 10 plus 3 dice and fight as he did at the 10th level, but as, but at 12th level, he would get 11 plus 1 and fight at superhero plus 2. Um, at 17th level wizard, get 9 plus 3. So they have a section here where they're just basically surmising everything you do above the 10th level progression or the maximum uh, name allocation progression. Um, so clearly lots of versioning would be in the future for characters, classes, and everything going on. But as a template, they built it simple and they kept it simple. Um, I'm not even sure when they built this originally if they knew exactly what their intention was to do. So now initially, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to save the alternative combat system for our next uh, episode so we can talk about that alternative combat system. Because at this point, by page 19, they're recommending to use the chainmail system. Now, I do plan on doing a review of the chainmail system from a historical evidentiary condition where we'll do some reading from that, which will 
obviously be the primer and the precursor to volumes one, two, and three. But for now, that will do it for character classes, um, which is one, two, three and a half pages. When we come back next time, we're going to break down their alternative combat system, which I believe would eventually become Thaco and the primary combat system later on. This is one they begin to present as an alternative uh, to, to the chainmail system, which is obviously going to be better because chainmail was designed more for tabletop, direct tabletop combat play um, with a lot of variations. It, it's it, For a combat system to be its own 20 or 30 page rule set can get very confusing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to look at their alternative combat system in our next episode. So everyone, thank you for joining. Um, I could always use a coffee. Please feel free to donate, follow us on our socials. But hey, everybody be safe, be kind, um, and play a game. It's good for your health. Bye, everybody.